Hey, business building warrior, welcome back to Silent Sales Machine Radio. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's an honor every time you decide to spend a few minutes with the team and I. We work hard on the content and on the messaging and what we bring each episode. And we're so grateful that you take some time to consume this content that we work so hard for. Thanks so much for leaving feedback, for sharing the word. If you haven't, heard me say it in a while. A reminder, we have a $0 marketing budget for the show. That means you telling friends about it is how word spreads. And it's working. Most recently, we came up just shy of about 130,000 downloads for the most recent month on iTunes. Pretty incredible. So thank you for sharing the word. Today, we've got a discussion that is led by two of the fantastic coaching directors on our team. As you may recall, we've got several coaching teams. Each of them have a coaching director. They all coach the many students who come through our community seeking how to launch and grow e-commerce and Amazon businesses. We love providing this service. And today you're going to hear from Brian and Robin Olson. They've been a bit of a regular guest around here recently, and we love having them back because they're coaching to success so many students right now, and we like asking them, hey, what are some of the common themes, the common challenges, the things that you're hearing from your students? Let's share them with the larger listening audience. And they've agreed, and they've been doing just that with their Coaches Corner weekly meetings. We love having these discussions with them. So they're going to take over here in just a moment. I'm going to tell you a little bit about what you're going to hear. They're going to talk about Amazon's new repricer, that's been supposedly newly updated and it's got some great new features and they're trying to get the attention of sellers. Should we pay attention to it? They spend some time talking about that repricer from Amazon and they talk about the three phases or the three areas of focus, I should say, that you need to pay attention to as an Amazon seller if you want to succeed. Those areas are the research stage, the inventory management stage, and the sales management stage. What's involved in each of those? What areas of focus go into each of those? Don't be overwhelmed by it. It is a three-headed monster that you're fighting when it comes to building a successful business on Amazon. Let's keep our eye on the prize and know what we're up against. Know what battle that we really are facing as business building warriors. I love hearing from Brian and Robin. They always do such a great job. I've got one last announcement and I'll turn it over to them. Get over to theprovenconference.com. Three words, theprovenconference.com. That's what you hear about our July 6th through 8th, 2023 live event. We're expecting between six and 700 people to be there. They're listeners to this podcast. It's a very low priced event. It's a gathering of like-minded business building warriors with over 40 breakout sessions talking about topics that have never been discussed before. We're developing them out now. Some very exciting things coming away at this event, plus a lot of the great coaching leaders and some of your favorite podcast guests that you guys have all said you love. We're putting them on stage. It's not a parade of experts from around the industry that you could go listen to on YouTube anytime you want. It's successful students from our group that make up the speakers and the content. People you've heard on this podcast, the only time you've ever seen them before was on the screen as a guest on this show. Now they're on a panel, they're leading a discussion, they're in a small breakout room talking to fellow business building warriors about how they've done what they've done. It's a great event. We've done it 11 times. It's one of, if not the longest running e-commerce annual events in all of e-commerce. We're very proud of that. So come be a part of it, theprovenconference.com. Make your plans, the details are there as we have them. 
the dates have been announced, the city, the hotel, pricing, which will be very low, will be announced very soon as well. Huge discounts, by the way, for coaching students on our team and for proven Amazon course students as well. If you've been looking for an excuse to get into the proven Amazon course, now is your time because you can save yourself a boatload on tickets for our live event. Come be a part of it. All right, let's get Brian and Robin on here and have a great discussion. Enjoy. Welcome to Coach's Corner. Hello, everyone. We're your hosts, Brian Olson. And I'm Robin Joy. Thanks for joining us today. Brian, you got some news to start us off with. I do have some news. You know, we hear all the time, or we hear frequently anyway, about repricing. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of third-party tools that do repricing for you. Amazon even has a repricing tool. Did you know this? Yes, I did know this. So historically, Amazon's repricing tool is geared to you to the lowest possible price. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're only concerned about the lowest possible price. Right. Well, they're concerned about their customers getting the best deal they can get and be being known as that guy, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. To, to that end, the like one of the primary strategies in the automate pricing within that tool is to sense or percentage below the current feature offer. Yeah. The news about this is they've now at, given you the ability to actually increase your price as well. Oh, you mean like a repricer does? It goes up and it goes down. Yes. However, okay. it's based on the what Amazon finds off of the Amazon platform in terms uh-huh. of a price increase. So, oh, it's not based on other sellers. It's or not what, based on other sellers or what you might want to sell for. It doesn't care about your profit. It only cares about, oh, we actually found this item for seven cents more at Target. So you can reprice your item for seven cents more. So it still sounds like maybe not not a really good idea and third-party repricer still might be a better better option oh i think yeah not even might be is absolutely a better option you have to say absolutely you're right <laughs> i don't but in this case for now about this i do yeah good. uh in my opinion amazon is most concerned about getting the lowest price for their mm-hmm. customers and not that i blame them um, but that doesn't take me as a as a business owner into consideration mm-hmm. i want to make some profit so I'm probably not going to use that repricing tool, but it is nice to know that it's out there. And if they may continue to make improvements with it, I'm sure they will. And maybe someday it'll give us all the flexibility that we're seeing in the third-party repricing tools today. Okay, great. Good? Yeah. All right, there's a link in the show notes to this piece of news. Okay. So, you know, we, we said before that we often get a theme. Yeah. In our coaching sessions, right? With our coaching clients. And And I don't know if it's because it's what's on our brain Mm -hmm. or if we just happen to have a lot of coaching clients who are approaching, you know, kind of the same milestones, right? Yeah. But as we uh, are dealing with uh, working with our coaching clients, we often are like trying to present, especially for the new coaching Mm -hmm. clients, what does this Amazon journey look like? What does your Amazon FBA journey look like? Right. I think you're right. And a lot of times it really helps somebody to be encouraged and move forward and and deal with those kind of uncertainties in the beginning. If we can kind of give them an idea of what it's going to develop into what they can expect. So what? How, where do we start with that? Brian? Well, without trying to overwhelm yeah. right, our, our, yeah. our clients, we, we do kind of break it down into three main areas. Okay. Okay. First area, we call it research and development. Mm -hmm. What are we doing in the research and development part of the business? Research and development, I would say, is researching ASINs and sources to try to find ASINs that are good ideas to test. 
So we take our testing criteria, which we've gone over before, but our, you know, can we find a source for it? Can we make sure that it's moving fast enough that it's not going to, that we can get out of it if we need to, if it doesn't pass the test? Make sure this moving fast enough. So our velocity test, our break-even test is making sure that we haven't recently, the price hasn't recently been down below where our break-even price is. So even if we don't make money, we're trying not to lose money on our test, right? Well, well let's just break it down to its simplest form, which is finding replants. Okay. Finding replants. Finding finding ASINs right. to test, testing them, put them on our replants list. Right. Yeah. Right. Getting them to the list. That's that's what happens in research and development. Okay. What is the development part of that? What do you think? Well, I think that as you test ASINs and you put them over on your replants list, in the beginning, you know, you have what you have. You've had time to go through a certain number of ASINs and out of those, you've found some that will make a little bit of profit. And you they go over into your replants list because you don't have anything better. Right. But as time goes by and you research more and more and more, you develop that replans list into a better and better list. Your minimum requirements are less. The work that it takes and the supplies that it takes and the time that it takes to send those ASINs in is better. And so you just your replans list is going up and up and up. So the developing. Yeah. So the development part is as you get better at sourcing, you're develop continuing to develop your list. Mm-hmm. As you get better at sourcing, your list gets better and better. Yeah. As you get better at testing, your list gets your better, skills. better and better. Okay. You're developing your lists. Yeah. So that's the first of three main parts of the business. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what is the second phase? I'm going to answer my own question. Here. Okay. I think the second phase is what we call inventory management. Inventory management yeah. is, uh, and I'm just going to uh, jump in on this. Definition, and then you can uh, correct me. <laughs> or, or, it by which. <laughs> yes. Inventory management is like this is when we're determining okay, we have an item on our list, but how many are we going to send in? How frequently are we going to send that in? Um, we're doing things like reconciling our shipments, uh, working with Amazon um, for lost damage inventory recovery, and even managing our IPI or our inventory performance index score. Mm-hmm. So the IPI score, all that I think goes into inventory management. Is that fair? I think that's true. This, we're working in our inventory, making sure that we keep that in tip-top shape. We're getting rid of ASINs that we'll never sell again. We They didn't pass our test. Or we've decided that we're not going to sell them again. We're deleting those out of our out of our inventory. We're adding new items to our inventory all the time. Mm-hmm. Those type of things, anything that has to do with the inventory. Yeah, manage management of the inventory. Right. It's a huge part. Yep. Okay. What's the third part? The third part is sales management. Sales management. Yeah. Okay. Think, what do we mean by sales management? Uh, maybe the most fun part is watching your <laughs> sell and watching sales that management. Go into. Hmm. Refresh my sales screen all the time. I'm managing my sales. I had a person in the Kickstart bootcamp that was saying how. He said, all of a sudden, I'm addicted to looking at my phone all the time and f- finding out what my sales are. And I said, be sure and go to the Proven Conference because what you'll see is 500 people walking around the hallways of a hotel <laughs> looking at their phone. And even in mid-conversation, they're like, yeah, how you doing? Yeah, I'm doing. I'm, I'm Robin. How you doing? <laughs> oh, look, we just broke a thousand. <laughs> so uh, anyway, that's that's a fun part of it. But you also have to consider the pricing. 
Yeah. Right. Um, there's a big part of that that is repricing. And, and many of us use repricers, but in the beginning, we're not going to do that. In the beginning, when we're first starting to build our, build our lists, we have more time than money coming in. So we're going to manually do that repricing. We're going to manually reprice those tests and see if we can find that sweet spot where that item will sell. And there's uh, also when the item, when the ASIN goes bad, you're going to have some sort of exit strategy to get out of that. When the ASIN goes bad, what are you saying? ASINs tend to have a little bit of a cycle. A lot of them do, not all of them, have a little bit of a cycle where they'll be really good for a while and then they'll drop off. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes they come back and they drop off. So you have to manage that and manage your pricing and this part of inventory management too, kind of knowing how much to put in, if you're going to restock it this week or not. Mm -hmm. And then there are other things that, you know, you may have to have some refunds and put some stuff back in your inventory. Uh, You have to make sure that you manage your profitability, uh, your account health, make sure you're dealing with any of that. And what have I missed, Brian? Uh, I think that covers most of what we do in the sales management part of the business. Mm -hmm. We tend to, in the coaching, uh, in the first part of the coaching, we spend a lot of um, time in the research and development because that part of the uh, business is not normal Mm -hmm. for... Uh, it's it's like a foreign language almost. We're learning a new tool called Keepa that uh-huh. is unlike any chart or or database that we've ever seen before in terms right. of the data it collects and how it presents that data, right? It's not something that you learn in high school or college. Right, <laughs> right. But inventory management and sales management, these things are pretty normal in, in a lot of businesses, not all, but in a lot of them. So I think those line up pretty well with what people's expectations are. We just say, oh, yes, this is the process and this is how it applies to Amazon. Yes. A little bit different with the uh, research and development because it is a whole new animal. People don't really quite understand um, what it means to source, what it, what a replen is, what's an underserved ASIN. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you gauge that? You started to get into a minute ago, like, oh, I'm looking at the keep it chart. I'm looking at my, you know, my basement price, my high price. What can I get for? What's my potential? What's my potential profit here? I'm ignoring the buy box mm-hmm. and. Potentially, and you know all, all these different factors that go into the research and development part of the business. So we end up spending a good portion of uh, the coaching program in the research and development section. Is that mm-hmm. fair? I think that is fair. But I, I would like to say one thing. You you were saying it was totally different animal. I think mm-hmm. if you get a little bit more general, mm-hmm. let's say I own a Seven Eleven or. Circle K or some little convenience store, mm-hmm. I'm going to be sourcing profitable products. I'm going to be sourcing products that I can sell for a profit to put into my store. It is very much like that. Now, the process of where you go to find those and, and what how you make your decision is probably quite a bit different. But the actual, you know, the, the broader term of research and development is done in most businesses, at least most retail businesses mm-hmm. think, yep. in the same way. Okay, that's fair. Okay. So when do we want to take this to the next level? Like what happens when we get a, a coaching client who is maybe getting towards the end of their coaching journey? Uh-huh. They already have a, a successful business and they, they come back to us and they want to do like an account health check or uh-huh. like we I had a student this week. So proud. Broke $50,000 a month in sales. Yeah. That's awesome. That Love is that, awesome. Right? And he's like, hey, I just broke $50,000 a month in sales. Let's analyze this business and see if I've got areas to improve. You yep. know, where where can I improve my business? So we go from sort of building this business and working in it when we're doing the uh, research and development, 
Once we get inventory in, then we start doing inventory management and sales management, which is working on the business. And then we get to take a more bird's eye view, a strategic look at what does our business look like? How do we how do we make improvements? Okay, tighten it up, flip the levers and switches and right. dial it in. Right, right. So what does that, when you're doing that investigation with a coaching client, where are you going with that? Oh, the first place I start almost always, I think, is to see if see what their IPI score is, mm-hmm. um, see if they have and, and IPI has very clearly four things to look at, and we and we go through those things. I, mm-hmm. I usually start there. How about mm-hmm. you? Well, I like to break it down into these same three areas. Oh, okay. right. So let's say uh, with the research and development. Some yeah. questions I'll ask is how many new agents did you add to your list last week? Oh, good. Right. How many did you test? How many did you test? Right. Yeah. That, that's probably the best, better question. How many new agents did you? How many new tests did you add to your list last week? Right. Mm-hmm. How many from the week before or the month before actually passed and are now on your on your replants list? Hang on a minute, Brian. Yeah. You mean when I'm selling fifty thousand dollars a month, I'm still testing ASINs? Absolutely. Yeah. I know, right? I mean, you think well, I've made it to fifty thousand. I don't have to do yeah. anything anymore. Um, well, because you well, we already talked about it. You, you mentioned it that often an ASIN has a cycle about it, whether it's a seasonal item. Sometimes, like re- I remember, we had this great replant. It was. I would say we fell in love with it. We didn't necessarily <laughs> fall. In, yeah, we didn't necessarily fall in love with it because it was it was an RA item and it was kind of a pain to get. And so, you know, every time us or one of our shoppers was in the store, we just cleared the shelf of this yeah. item because it was selling way more than we could ever get. Right. Yeah. But what happened with that? Do you know which one I'm talking about? Was it coffee? It was not coffee. It was in the laundry aisle. Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. And what happened with that ASIN? It made a list somewhere. Yeah. And it was just cruising along for probably nine months. It was us and like four other people on the listing and we're getting a premium. Uh, It was a true underserved listing. Yes. It was a little bundle. It was very inexpensive for us to buy, sold for a good profit. It was small. Fast. Light. Yeah. Yeah. Sold really fast. Okay. Perfect. Perfect underserved ASIN. Mm -hmm. And then it made a list. And what happened to that ace? We're assuming it made it. Made I'm it. assuming so it, found it. it went from four to like sudden, yeah. 64 offers in about right. 10 days. So right. I'm assuming it made a list somewhere. So we had, this is one that we had probably, you know, 25 or so, which is really big for us in, in replans. And uh, we had to pull them all back. And right. we, we did some exit strategies and took care of it. Right. But yeah, it, it, we weren't able to replenish it anymore after that. Point is, it had a cycle, right? It, a cycle. it was good for about nine months, and then it went bad. Right. And it, not that it was a bad ace, it was a great no. listing. We actually improved the listing. We made we it way better. And at the time when you could make improvements to listings, <laughs> um, we updated the pictures and the description and all that. It got a better rank. And then what happened, it got base visibility. And that was our downfall with that one. But <laughs> it did come back. Yeah, it actually yeah. took about another nine months. For everyone to to uh, kind of for that price to get back to where it was profitable, and then it it got added to um, other people's lists like ours, and mm-hmm. now it kind of does cycle. You'll see where it's good for a while, and then it's not good. So that's what we're talking about: where an ASIN can be good for a while, it cycles, it's not good. We don't replenish it anymore, right? Or or maybe not for a while. Yeah, or right. yeah, we still keep it. We like we don't really delete anything from our list, do we? We do delete it from our Amazon Seller Central inventory. Right, yes. Right. But our we have a very large da- database of any ASIN that we've ever tested so, before. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> right. 
So then we check that list every week to see which ones are profitable for us, similar to the replen dashboard. Right. Okay. So um, I can't remember why we got off on that topic. We were talking about inventory management and house. Oh, so we're checking. So we're checking out, right? Yes. Yeah. So on the uh, on the research and development, how many new tests? Okay. Mm-hmm. And then on the inventory management. Yeah. How many shipments? Have, let's go back four weeks. How many shipments have gone in in the last four weeks? Mm-hmm. Right. Has there been at least one every week? Mm-hmm. Go back six weeks. If there's ever a lull in your business, a lot of times we can track it back to. Uh, Six weeks ago, I was on vacation. I didn't send a shipment in. Or I didn't source. <laughs> I right? didn't have I didn't, any I didn't, new tests to send in. Yeah. So I didn't add to my replenishing. We, we, we do see this a lot. And, it, and it's just part of the growing pains in the business where the business is going great and we kind of get comfortable, happen to us too. And then sales start to kind of plateau and maybe descend a little bit. And it's because guess what? We didn't continue to add tests to our list either. So. Consistency is key. And, and this is what we were talking about when I was asking about if I have $50,000 in sales a month, mm-hmm. do I still have to source? Yes. Do I still right. have to send in tests? Absolutely. Yes, we need to keep replacing Someone them. needs to. Yes. So I tell this story frequently. So if you're a coaching client of mine, I apologize. <laughs> you're going to hear it again, right? The very first proven conference I went to, Jimmy Smith is on stage the first year that replen, replens came out. And I'm putting quotes, air quotes. First year they started calling it they, that. And, yeah. yeah. Well, I think that was the year that the, that the course launched and yeah. it was very popular. And and I was front row, right? Yeah. And uh, I'm asking Jimmy, like, hey, how many ASINs do you have? And how many ASINs do you have to you know keep replacing? Because I had already experienced that situation where I bought it, it was good, and then it went bad, mm-hmm. right? And Jimmy's answer at the time was about 5% per month of his ASINs does he need to replace. Mm-hmm. That's how pretty darn close to true even today. I Yeah, we've tested it over and over. And for us and our clients mm-hmm. that we test to, it seems about right. About 5% each month uh, have to be replaced and we refreshed. Right. We call them refreshing ASINs. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, you're just always going to have to do that. So if you don't want to do that yourself, you develop an SOP and you have someone do that for you. That's perfectly fine. Right. But the business needs to be, the inventory needs to be re- refreshed. Right. Your list needs to be refreshed, constantly freshed. Yes. Freshened up, as they say. Yes. Right. Okay. So we okay. do that. And the larger your list is, which will happen over time, mm-hmm. that means the more ASINs that you need to replace. Right. So. Yeah. Five percent is a larger number than when you have a hundred asins, yeah. you're replacing five a month. When you have a thousand asins, you're replacing fifty a month, right? Right. Okay. So that is you know ten to twelve, fifteen asin new asins, uh, new tests per week yeah. that hopefully will turn into and those that are successful then uh, get added to the list. And trust me, I'm more excited about the ones I just found last week. Oh yeah. Than I am as much uh, sure. about the ones that I fell in love with you Me know too. eighteen months ago. And so that's part of what is refreshing about this business. And we still do a part of that ourselves where we're sourcing. Um, because and we enjoy it. <laughs> it's like I say this other story I say all the time to my coaching clients too. When I'm getting beat up by the world, Amazon is like, you know, handing me a plate of you know what because <laughs> I got an IP complaint or because my IPI went down or my uh, something happened. If I want to feel better about me and my business before I go to bed, I just go source for a while because <laughs> I know I can get wins there, right? So I tell clients that too, and they don't believe me at, 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 first, at first, at first, but yeah. then they come back and go, 
Yeah, I need to just go source because I don't want to deal with that. Yeah, it's kind of a safe space, isn't it? It's a safe space. Yeah, it becomes a safe space. Once you get it down and you learn how to do it and you get the rewarded by those little wins you yeah. get as you work that list, it becomes a safe space for you. You really start enjoying it. Okay, right? so we, no, it's all right. So we do the we do the uh, sort of health check yeah. on the account. We do like how many new ASINs mm-hmm. last week, week before that, week before that? Yeah. How many shipments last week, week before that, week mm-hmm. before that? What does your uh, inventory performance index score look like? Mm-hmm. Do we need to clean up, prepare for Q4, you know, make sure your storage is good, your score is good, what, whatever we need to do to clean that up. We have stranded inventory that you need to recall. What surprises me is how many times we get a coaching client, and this is not a knock against any of them, who've been in the business for nine months, 12 months, 18 months, two years sometimes, They've had stranded inventory or uh, inventory that's hanging out there for a long, long time. They didn't know to recall it. Right. And they just didn't know. And that's part of one of the things that you can get from a community like this is some information to go, oh, I didn't I didn't know. You learn a lot of these things when you go to proven conferences, yes. conversations, yep. right? Right. And so back in the day, like you, there wasn't a prompt from Amazon to automatically enroll in auto removals. Yeah. Like today, most people are in auto removals. Mm-hmm. So you don't have so stranded inventory for back. a long time. Yeah. But it didn't used to be that way. You could have stranded inventory for a long time. Okay. Right. And then in sales management, what do we do with sales management from a health check perspective? We look at what is your ROI? What mm-hmm. is your margin? What is your repricing strategies what are your look expenses? like? What, what are, are your you, expenses? What right? are you buying that you're not using anymore? What do you need to put into place that you need to find some money for? Right. How can we tweak sort of your cost centers and profit centers to improve your profitability, the profitability of your business? Profit and, centers. Okay. Profit, so talk yeah. to me about what's what's a profit center. What do you mean by that? Did I say profit center? You did. You said uh, it all I, I meant to say cost center. Okay. I think I said both. So okay. um, cost center is what I'm more focused on, but profit, cent- uh, profit center is obviously everything that we're selling. Yeah. Um, I think there's one profit center there. Can you think of another? Well, you may, uh, could it be the different strategies? Like we have, we have a private label product and we have a replens list. So those are two different profit centers. True. Yep. I'll could, buy that. Could be seen that way. Yep. I'll buy that. All right. Well, talk to me then about cost centers that I need to watch there. So what we look out for on the cost centers is things like, what are your subscriptions look like? Are mm-hmm. you subscribing to tool overall? What does your annual business expenses look like? Your subscriptions to tools, your subscriptions to uh, professional services like accounting and legal, your repricer, your Keepa subscription, your Amazon subscription. How many times do we run into coaching clients who've got, they subscribe to like three on-page calculators? Yeah. Because they like one thing that one does, another thing that another one does, and another thing that the third one does. And so (laughs) we have all three. So it takes 10 minutes to load the page when we're (laughs) researching an ASIN. But, you know, and if your business can support it and, you know, it means that much to you, by all means, keep it, right? But there's a chance to... There's a chance to you know tighten things up a little bit there with your subscriptions and your business expenses. Right? I would suggest mm-hmm. um, going off topic just a little bit yeah. that most of those on page calculators, if you do a little research, that thing that you thought this one didn't do, it, it probably does. <laughs> yes, and uh, just to they are very similar. Further illustrate that point. You and Joel Beyer had a little tail of the tape during the uh, Q4 and the Q4 groups, we did. which I know. Um, not everyone was privy to, but you did a comparison, a side-by-side sort of comparison of AZ Insight and RevSeller. Right. Right? Right. Joel uses RevSeller. Mm-hmm. I use AZ Insight. And we were surprised. We found very little, if any, significant difference, uh, difference mm-hmm. in the two tools, even yeah. though they look different. You find them in different places. Mm-hmm. 
I didn't realize Rev Seller did everything that uh, it does, and he didn't realize AZ Insight does everything that. So, just right. an aside. Then, it, then it becomes almost a visual preference. Which one yeah. do you like to see? And for a lot of us, it's the tool we started out with. That's the one that we're most comfortable with, and right. so that's the one we stick with, right? I remember in the early days, I was using RevSeller, and then someone dropped a you know a, a good word about AZ Insight in MST, and I went and checked that out, and I was like, oh yeah, this is cool. This offers things that uh, RevSeller doesn't. Little did I know, I just didn't know where to look. Yeah, because um, AZ Insight had the same. I mean, uh, RevSeller had the same stuff, but I had already migrated and was you know completely committed at that point to AZ Insight. Um, okay, I distracted you. You were talking about cost centers. Other cost centers, yeah. Yeah. So we talked about subscriptions. Mm-hmm. A cost center, believe it or not, is your Amazon fees. So mm-hmm. both the referral fee, which is 15% in most categories, most price points, and your FBA fee. But the FBA fee is one that we actually have a little bit of control over. We don't have control over the 15%. So if your cost center, uh, in this case, the cost center is the FBA fee or the uh, pick and pack fee, mm-hmm. And we, how do we improve the pick and pack fee? Well, you were telling me about this uh, yesterday, and I thought it was really interesting the way you described the making more space between your selling price and your pick and pack fee. Talk to me about that. Well, so one of the ways that we can potentially improve our profitability is by stretching that gap between, and this is what we do in the advanced keep of sourcing, is we can we can put in some filters in the product finder that say. Put, put a cap on my pick and pack fee of a certain dollar value. Yeah, maybe five, six, seven dollars. Five, six, seven bucks, three dollars. I mean, yeah. I have found items you that the, you want. the pick and pack fee is less than three dollars, mm-hmm. which is awesome. We cover that in in uh, the uh, new advanced Keepa sourcing 2.0 module or whatever we're going to be calling it. It's coming out soon. Uh huh. If it's not already out, yeah, it might be. And then the the sales price. Yeah. So um, FBA offers or buy box or even FBM. So if we can stretch that number, so let's say by default, when I'm normally starting out new coaching clients, I'm saying, put your uh, FBA sales price or your uh, buy box price at, at minimum of $25 mm-hmm. and then put a maximum of on the pick and pack fee of, pick and pack fee of $7. Okay. That leaves us $18 in that gap. in that gap to cover cost of goods, profit, and referral fee uh-huh. and another cost center supplies. Yeah. And all of our inbound other, shipping, you know, those other inbound transportation, yeah, all that good stuff. So by stretching that, okay, we we've got two mechanisms there. We can decrease the pick and pack fee by a dollar, two dollars, three dollars, mm-hmm. keep it all the way down to four bucks, three bucks, something like that. Like I was saying, and or we can in uh, push up that the sales price. So instead of saying minimum twenty five, yeah. make it minimum thirty, right, or twenty seven, uh-huh. twenty eight. I mean, just it, you don't have to take big swings at it. You can take. Very, you'd be surprised mm-hmm. at what one additional dollar or even fifty cents of profit per sale will do for your business. Yeah, when you're selling a thousand units a month, mm-hmm. things start to add up, right? Agreed. Real quick math: a thousand units times fifty cents is how much more profit? Five hundred bucks. Five hundred bucks. Five hundred bucks. Yeah, that's not. <laughs> Our daughter-in-law is a math whiz. We are not, but <laughs> that's not nothing. Right? <laughs> it's not nothing. That's right. So the FBA pick and pack fee is a cost center. Okay. Um, I mentioned I, like enough, I, I mentioned really like that perspective too. Excuse me. I really like that perspective of kind of widening that gap to give yourself more space to yeah. put that profit in there. Yeah, agreed. Another cost center would be your some of these are kind of strategies right out of the advanced keep of sourcing, but <laughs> the uh, inbound transportation fee. Yeah. Right. 
if you're, this is a very easy exercise to do. Go and pull your last four to six inbound shipments, Mm -hmm. add up all your fees for those shipments, Mm -hmm. divide those fees by the number of units in total for all the shipments. You're talking about the shipping fees. Shipping fees, right. So your inbound transportation that you pay Amazon for. Right. You can very easily go into inventory and shipments and go take a sort by date created and and get your last six. Okay, mm-hmm. this should give you a pretty good average. Okay. So if your last six inbound tra- and I'm just going to use round numbers here, okay? okay. If your last six shipments cost you a hundred bucks mm-hmm. and you sent in a hundred items, you would be spending one dollar for each item that you sent in on inbound transportation. So that's Makes your sense? average uh-huh. on average, average, right? Shipping. So how can we affect that number? How can we lower that number? We can get more items in the same shipping cost. This is what we talk about when we talk about box filler, which I don't think we're the first one to come up with that term, Mm -hmm. but uh, we call it box filler based on something someone else said. I'm sorry, I don't remember who it was. But small items that do not really affect the space or the weight in the box, Mm -hmm. but it does give you more items to spread that shipping cost over. So you throw a lipstick in there or a pen, small little thing, you know, a pack of screws or nails that doesn't really take up any space. You can stick it in the corners, but it gives you one more item to spread that shipping cost over. Right. In the advanced Keepa course 2.0, we talk about if we can, so if our box has 20 items mm-hmm. and we can throw in 10 some light items that kind of fit in the corners and everything like that, mm-hmm. we, now we get to spread that inbound transportation over 30 items instead of 20. Yeah. Right. So that's how we can affect our inbound transportation on a per item level. Mm-hmm. I like it. Okay. Uh, one more cost center here. And I think I may have covered them all. Now we're going to be talking about supply costs. So as we know, to prep your items, you need poly bags, labels, shipping boxes, tape, bubble wrap, mm-hmm. other boxes maybe that you're putting your goods in, all these little supplies that we need when we're prepping. Mm-hmm. So your prep center. If you're using a prep center, that per item fee that they're charging you already includes the cost of those things. Mm-hmm. If we're doing it ourselves, we need to kind of make a determination what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I was going to say, some of these are upfront costs as well. We have to buy a certain amount of boxes, even though we're only going to use four or five of them this week. Yeah. We, we need to buy a bundle of them to get a decent price. So those costs are upfront. Same thing with poly bags. You, yeah. don't, you don't buy yeah. poly bags. Don't buy three poly bags You're buying them by the hundreds or the thousands, yes. right? Yeah. It's Same thing with labels. Cut them off and yeah. Right. Same thing with your uh, uh, labels, right? Yeah. You, you get a, a roll of labels for your Dymo or, or your 30 up for your uh, regular printer or whatever. And you know, you're paying for those, but all those costs add up. Right. And so I've seen it anywhere from 10 cents an item up to ours is, is on average about 24 cents. Now we use a lot of boxes. So ours, I think, tends to be a little bit higher, mm-hmm. but we box as many things as we think need to be boxed. So anything we that... We don't take any chances on things getting crushed. Yeah. Here's the here's the inside tip. If you want Amazon to send it in a box to the customer, send it to Amazon in a box. Yeah. Because if you don't, they're probably going to put it in a padded envelope and then your customers are going to complain. So use boxes when you think it's... Be prudent with that. Right. And make sure Amazon knows not to open that box when they're receiving. Put a sold as a set sticker on the outside. Put your F and SKU sticker on the outside so they know to stop there and don't open that box. Yeah. But that will protect your goods. And that's that's a way that you can control that instead of just being upset because Amazon didn't ship it the way you wanted to. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So um, you can actually 
even if we only increased our uh, or decreased our supply cost per item by a nickel, mm-hmm. again, we're talking about if we're selling a thousand items a month, just using this example, there's another $50. Everything is right? multiplied. Everything is multiplied. So maybe $50 now pays for uh, that you saved in, in your supply cost. Maybe you can pay for the you know fancy new tool that you want. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Figure out what you want. And mm-hmm. then, yeah, find a way, find ASINs that can give you the profit to take care of that. Right. So those three main categories that we talk about, how do we get started? How do we explain this to um, coaching clients? And then how do we do a health check to potentially improve profitability? That's how we dive into those. Right. Makes of sense? course, this is all very, very high level. Yeah. We go into it deeply with a coaching client. And when you're a one-on-one client, of course, we can look at your specific situation mm-hmm. and give you specific ideas of, of how to do that. But overall, that's kind of the general way we look at building a replens list. And the point here is business. The, the point here is you don't have to be perfect getting mm-hmm. started. In fact, one of the things we like to say is. We just went and made a mess. We did. Just right? go make a mess. Just go make a mess. Oh, just make a mess. find a bunch of, you know, re- find a bunch of profitable ASINs, send them in, and you can go back and refine that process a little bit later. Yeah. So so you want, you know, to you want a net 20% margin. That's great. You mm-hmm. know, just because you're at 12 to 15% right now doesn't mean you can't get there. You can't, right? right? Because now you know more. You're now better equipped. You have the education to be able to affect that change. And you have more tools in your toolbox. And, yeah. To, to make those improvements with, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know more people that you can get advice from and tips from. Mm-hmm. And as you go through the journey, if you go along with other people like we do in our community, mm-hmm. you have some ideas about how to manage that and get it better and better and better all the time. Yeah, so as we're recording this, the sun has gone down yes. behind us, right? <laughs> it was a little bit light when we first started and now it's dark out there and we can see the ring light reflection in the <laughs> In the uh, windows there. Don't look. Uh, so anything else you want to cover uh, in this episode relative to the three main areas of the business? Pretty well. I imagine we'll get some questions on that. We welcome that. Mm-hmm. Hope that's helpful in just a perspective and how, how to look uh, high level overall uh, an overview of a replenished business. And also... Keep in mind, like we say this a lot, everyone's business is different. And this yes. is our approach to the business. There are a million approaches, I'm sure. Absolutely. And what's what, your business? You get to decide. Right. So Robin, when that cycle happens on the ASIN that is not doing very well, like it was good for a while and now it's not good, what solves that problem? More skis, more ASINs. More ASINs. More ASINs. Right. Test more ASINs. We are committed to more ASINs. Yeah. Like it? I like it. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone. We look forward to talking with you soon. Thanks. Talk to you soon. Hey, thanks for hanging out with me today. I've got a guest before I let you go that I really want to spend some time with. You've told us, many of you, that you really love these short segments once a week or so with Mr. Jeff Schick. If you don't know who he is, he's our preferred Amazon legal expert in our community. JeffSchick.com is his website. There's a link in the show notes. But he always brings interesting examples and stories from the real world helping numerous Amazon sellers with their legal challenges on Amazon. So what do you have for us today, Jeff? So I have an interesting one. I've been approached by a lot of sellers asking me why they should or shouldn't check off all the boxes on an IP claim and just admit fault when they receive it. So Amazon's got this new thing when you get an IP complaint, whether it's counterfeit or trademark, it's not really as applicable to copyrights. So, And copyrights are definitely 
ones that you need to talk to an attorney before you deal with. So I just I'll preface it with this is really going to be your your trademarks and counterfeits. But they've got a new feature that you can actually acknowledge the violation. And by acknowledging, it has a box that you check that says, you know, I admit that there is an error and I'm requesting a second chance from Amazon. I'm kind of paraphrasing the language, but that's the gist of what it says. And then you click on that and then it takes you to another page where you've got a whole row of checkboxes to, you know, I read the policy, this won't happen again. I understand I can be suspended, you know, all these different checkboxes. I'm very sorry. I'll and, give you my firstborn child. Check, 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 check. Right. <laughs> right. And then at the very end, you uh, you get to a window that says, thanks for the submission. This will be removed from your dashboard. What it, one of the checkboxes says is that it says, I acknowledge that by removing this from this dashboard, it may not remove it from my account. Sellers still check that box and hit submit. And they don't think twice about what that means. What it means is that uh, they're not actually taking this off your account. They're just taking it off your dashboard. And that's a, an important distinction because if you have more issues, that means that it's still there as an issue. So, it hasn't vanished. Okay. Huh, right. No. Well, what if, so, what if I, and maybe you're going to hit this, but what if I've already done a few of those and checked the so, boxes and moved on thinking they've vanished from the universe and it, Amazon's still looking at them. So let's make sure and hit that as part of the conversation too. Absolutely. So if you've already done it, there's no need to panic. Just realize that, you know, with all things, you know, it's like, you know, if you were going 60 miles an hour in a 40, you've already done it, but you can still put on the brakes so that you don't continue going 60 in a 40, especially if you see, you know, there's a speed camera right there. So, you know, think about it from a, you know, from perspective of, okay, we've done this, but we don't have to keep doing it because, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting a different outcome. So, so now sellers will say, well, but it's off my dashboard. So I'm good. Well, from a real world cases, what we've been seeing lately is that sellers that check off those checkboxes but don't actually deal with the violation, you've admitted that you've done something wrong. They keep that admission of wrongdoing on your account. And then if they eventually, if your account health rating falls low enough, they resurface. Mm. Now, where it gets really upsetting for sellers is that when they resurface, the it comes back to your dashboard. You have a submit appeal button, but when you click submit appeal, all you're taken to is a window that has all of the checkboxes checked that says we've uh, we've received your submission but are unable to take it off your account because it never there was no action behind the changes you just acknowledge there's a problem and then you know that was it never to fear i mean we've still you know every seller that has faced that situation has been reinstated by us so it's not a it's not it's not a death sentence by any means but it's an inconvenience for sure because what you don't have anymore is the ability to click on the button that says this is an error. And so if you had not, you know, let's just take the false counterfeit. Maybe you're accused of selling a counterfeit, you know, craft macaroni and cheese product, but you know that you bought that at Kroger's. And so it's, a, you know, it's guaranteed that it's real, you know, craft mac and cheese. Well, by checking all those boxes and saying that you sold counterfeit products and you won't do it again, they don't give you the option to now go in and upload your receipt and say, well, hey, guess what? This is authentic craft mac and cheese because you've already told them it wasn't. You forfeited so, your right to clear your name. Correct. At that so, so at the end of the day, we have gotten all these sellers reinstated. We we're able to prove that they didn't sell, you know, counterfeit products or infringing products, but it's still, you know, my advice is don't just check the boxes for the sake of checking boxes. You know, I, a common thing, I, I work with sellers a lot, you know, and that's the beauty of the retainer where we have these complimentary consultations is that they get to ask questions about what to do in these situations. But a common theme that I talk to sellers and clients about 
is they always say, well, I just want it off my account because I don't like looking at it. I don't like seeing well, it. Yeah. 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 They don't like seeing it. And I say, that's great. Let's get it off your account the right way, which is we show them that this is authentic Kraft Mac and Cheese. We reach out to Amazon if we need to, to prove that you sold authentic Kraft Mac and Cheese. But let's deal with it in the proper channels. But certainly don't say that you sold counterfeit Kraft Mac and Cheese just because you don't like the fact that Kraft lied and said that you sold Kraft, you know, counterfeit Kraft Mac and Cheese when you really sold authentic stuff. That just because you don't sense. want to see it. Yeah, but before you respond in any way to any kind of legal or IP concern from Amazon, just send it to Jeff. I, I kind of think of you as the same way I think of my accountant. If I get something from the IRS, I don't even open it. <laughs> like, <laughs> hey, here you go. You yeah. let me know how to deal with this. Let me know where to sign. Let me know what I'm in for here, right? Yeah. So it, that's what the retainer program really is. It's just having that guy who's doing it. And I love it. You know, it's so refreshing for me to have somebody who's in the trenches doing this all day, every day with a whole bunch of Amazon sellers coming saying, you know, if you do it the right way, if you let us help you, it's, there's really nothing scary going on here. But it does take a bit of an investment. It's a very low investment from my vantage point for the services you guys provide. And I know your prices are going to go up at some point because you guys are super busy. You're providing a great service. But I want to encourage everyone to get over to jeffschick.com if you're serious about your Amazon business. This is one of those investments that will pay for itself because we've all heard those stories of people getting suspended and spending $4,000 to get reinstated using a pro. Well, for way under $100 a month right now until his prices go up, you can get Jeff Schick on retainer and he does all that stuff for you. Beautiful deal. Well, and there's no extra charge. Today. Anything yeah, else absolutely. you want to add? Well, I was going to say with the retainer, a lot of people forget that you know IP claims are covered. So as long as, they're, mm -hmm. as, long as you get them after you sign up. So you, know, you sign up today, Tomorrow, Kraft makes that bogus Mac, you know, counterfeit mac and cheese complaint against you. You can actually go on and send it to our team. We'll take it from there and and work to get it retracted or get it taken off the account. No additional. Um, and there's no additional charge. It's all included yeah. in the eighty nine dollars. Great deal. It's like buying insurance. It really is. Yeah. And one last thing, I should probably say, I was picking on Kraft mac and cheese because it's the only thing that came to mind right away. I have not worked on a Kraft mac and cheese counterfeit complaint. In a very long time. So, <laughs> yeah. so craft not, lawyers, it's all saying, good. We love I'm not you. saying that it's, uh, yeah, I'm not <laughs> saying that they file complaints. I'm also not saying that uh, that sellers should get off craft listings, yeah. um, but you should do your due diligence. So if you see that there's any sort of IP alerts or you know, keep it indicators that they are filing IP complaints, then certainly don't take my word now yeah. as indicative of anything because they're truly just a, the first thing that came to mind. Spoken so. like a true <laughs> lawyer. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It's always good so. to hang out with you, Jeff. We'll do it again uh, real soon. Okay, buddy? Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Talk to you then. Thank you for listening to Silent Sales Machine Radio. Visit silentgym.com for a link to our free newsletter, our free Facebook group, and all of our resources mentioned on today's show.